All right, welcome to the Monday edition of From Eight Arbitration. This will be about the 50th time I've tried to do this episode. My audacity is not working right. It may be my laptop. It keeps freezing up, and so I'll get about 20 minutes into an episode, and it just locks up, and I'll lose every bit of it. So this is about the 20th time I've tried to do this episode. started yesterday. We had Union Day at the Titans game. Had a blast there. Came home kind of late i was going to do a quick episode and tried about 10 times there and it kept freezing up so i just said to hell with it same thing today it keeps freezing up so i hopefully i'll get through this one this will be about the 10th time today that i've tried to do it it may be just my laptop i probably need a new laptop i've got a new laptop i'm just too lazy to transfer all my stuff over on it but We'll see where we get. Next week, I'm going to start back doing the Salted Peanuts episodes. I've got a lot of people requesting those. I've got a lot of stuff that I can do a uh, few episodes on that stuff. So that's what I'll do next week. Get it back into the Salted Peanuts, and we'll talk about a lot of stuff. Um, today, what we're going to talk about is the hearing that I had, or supposed to have had Friday, is dealing with grieving the letter of decision rather than the notice of proposed removal. All right, so those veterans that get a notice of proposed removal, if we fail to grieve the notice of proposed removal, which is what the Postal Service says we should do, and instead we grieve the decision letter, uh, we're going to have to be ready to beat management's arguments on untimeliness, okay? And so that's what we'll talk about today. shouldn't be too long. Uh, but the the arbitration that I was supposed to have had Friday was dealing with this very issue. Uh, JB had no alternative but to grieve the decision letter because the carrier that got removed failed to give him the notice of proposed removal. He gave them both at the same time. And so it left JB scrambling to argue the decision letter. And that's what he did. He did a very good job of it. However, when it comes time to arbitration, <laughs> the postmaster, who is the one who issued the decision letter, she refused to testify. And so their advocate, they were in the room prepping, and their advocate was, you know, telling her, well, you just got to come testify because you did the decision letter. She's refusing. She said, I'm not going in there to testify. So <laughs> they had to come to me and uh, settle it. And so the gentleman's coming back with his money, but it was just an odd situation, you know, for the postmaster of an installation say, I'm not coming. And so that's what happened. So the gentleman got his job back, got some money, so that's good. But in that, you know, we had a lot of work to do as far as trying to convince an arbitrator that we're right, that you can grieve the decision letter. You do not have to grieve the notice of proposed removal. I'll read you JB's contentions about it. I'll read you management's position about it in case it helps you any. I'll get into some arbitration sites that are going to help you as well as some step fours, okay? And then I'll be done with it. Hopefully it won't be 30 minutes. Uh, next week will be a lot longer because I'm going to do salted peanuts and I've got so many things to cover. We'll be there a while next week. But today, hopefully it won't be too bad, too long. Here's JB's contentions about the notice of the proposed removal and grieving the decision letter. The union contends the letter of decision to actually remove the letter carrier is dated January 31st, 2023, and in accordance with Article 15, Section 2 
a grievance was timely filed on the grievance behalf within the 14-day time limits as described. The union contends management's argument of untimely grievance is unfounded in accordance with any contractual agreement. Page 15.2 of the NALC-USPS Joint Contract Administration Manual states the following in relevance. Informal Step A. Any employee who feels aggrieved must discuss the grievance with the employee's immediate supervisor within 14 days of the date on which the employee or the union first learned or may reasonably have been expected to have learned of its cause. Okay. The grievance case file contains Step 4 decision dated September 26 of 1974. And these dates are critical when you're going to be arguing the timeliness of the grieving the decision letter, okay? So this first one, the grievance case file contains Step 4 decision dated September 26, 1974. It's M939. M939. And this is the first one, which reads in part as follows. This grievance involves the refusal on management's part to accept a grievance pertaining to a notice of charges, proposed removal, from a steward prior to the time that a decision had been rendered on the previously mentioned proposal. We are sustaining this grievance to the extent that management is being advised that in future situations, such as the one with which the grievance is concerned, a grievance may be filed upon receipt of the proposed removal. Okay? So, management's position back in 1974 was, we do not grieve the notice of proposed removal. We grieve the decision letter. Remember that argument. In 1974, the Postal Service's position was, we do not grieve the notice of proposed removal. We grieve the decision letter. And what this step four is saying is, a grievance may be filed upon receipt of the proposal notice. It doesn't say a grievance must be filed upon the receipt of the proposal notice. It says a grievance may be filed. Okay, so that'll be an argument that you make in arbitration where it says that it may be filed. Here's where management's going to come back on us. The grievance case file contains M1137. M1137 dated February 27th, 1992 between the APWU and USPS, which reads as follows. The issue in this grievance concerns the time limits that must be met in order to grieve a proposed suspension of more than 14 days and whether a decision letter must be grieved. During our discussion, we mutually agreed to close this case based upon the following understanding. 1. For the purpose of the grievance procedure appeals, for the time limits of Section 2 of Article 15 of the National Agreement shall run from the proposed suspension notice not from a decision letter on the proposed suspension. Two, once agreements on a notice of proposed suspension is filed, it is not necessary to file agreements on the decision letter. Three, receipt of a notice of proposed suspension starts the 30-day advance notice period of Section 5 of Article 16 of the National Agreement. And so the APW came into agreement with management that you must grieve the proposed removal. And that's where management will try to get us, okay? That is their position as far as uh, the NLC. Of course, our argument is what? We're not the APW, 
right? We're not the APW. Management may say that the APW and the NELC were still bargaining together at this time, back in this date of 1992, that we were still bargaining together back in this time so that the, the NELC must be held responsible for that decision or included in that decision. Be ready for that argument. Okay, be ready for management to say, Mr. Arbitrator, back in 1992, the APW and the NELC were bargaining together. And so therefore, they're combined with this one settlement. Even though it says APW, the NELC is combined with this one settlement. Be ready for that argument. And I'm going to address that here in just a second. The union contends the above M1137 was an agreement between the APW and USPS for which the NELC did not enter into any such agreement. And that's true. Again, be ready for them to say, however, the APW and NELC at this time were bargaining together. All right? The union contends the very meaning of the word proposed is up for consideration, meaning nothing as of that moment has transpired. That's a great contention. The agreement was not actually made to suffer until he received his letter of decision to move forward with his removal from the Postal Service. Now, you're going to have a lot of arbitration decisions that management will put in that will say that that's not the case. They have a lot of arbitrators' decisions that state that the agreement is suffered when they got the proposed removal. As asinine as that sounds, that is the verbiage that they'll use, that when they got that notice of proposed removal, they must grieve it. goes on. That is when the 14-day time limits start from the action actually occurring. Since there is nothing in writing between the NELC and the USPS, the union contends the appropriate time to file a grievance for the grievance would be within 14 days from when he actually notified of his removal. The union points out that the decision letter itself states, your opportunity to explain any mitigating factors for my consideration prior to a decision being rendered on the notice, meaning the decision could have been to rescind the notice, reduce to a suspension, or to uphold a removal action, which is when the opportunity for the employee to properly file a grievance on their behalf. There is nothing in writing to show a stipulated procedure regarding notices of proposed removals, and that is questions that I would ask management to show me something in writing in any contract, any provision, any handbook, any manual that states that the notice of proposed removal must be grieved. All right, because what we're trying to do is raise doubt in the arbitrator's mind. And I'll go over that extensively here in just a second. All we're trying to do is raise doubt, okay, in the arbitrator's mind. Now, this thing is still freezing up. I'm still talking, so I may be losing a lot of these sections that I'm talking about because it's still trying to freeze up on me. I'm just going to keep talking. I'm so sick of this shit, this damn laptop. But anyway, so that's our position. Show me anything in writing where it states that the notice of proposed removal must be grieved other than 1137. Okay, which was between the APW and, and the Postal Service. M939 indicates management used to refuse to accept grievances concerning the actual proposal, but was advised a grievance may be filed upon the receipt of the proposed removal. 
Product tracking report indicates the notice of proposed removal was never received by the grievance or returned to the original sender. Uh, and those are just some things that he talked about. And so that was our position, which was very good. It covered both of the settlements, the 1974 and the 1992. Management's position was they right off the jump, they say management contends that the grievance was untimely filed. The proposed notice of removal was received by the grievance on 1230. No grievance was filed, nor was an appeal made when the proposed notice of removal had been received by the grievance. On 2-1, the notice of removal decision letter was received by the grievance. However, per JCAM 15-2D, the union does not file a separate grievance on the decision letter. Management contends that the grievance failed to contact the deciding official after receipt of the notice of proposed removal. And then they go over the JCAM Article 15-2 language and then the preference eligible employees language. And that was their position. So they were going to leave it up to their advocate to raise most of their, their arguments. <clears throat> now, in the Defenses to Discipline book that you have, this is the NALC's position, which I think is incredibly dangerous. Uh, and it leaves open uh, the door for the, the grievant to lose his job. I think it's inc incredibly careless. Uh, the very first page, it states, uh, in part, NELC created this guide to help union representatives find that in-depth information and put it to work challenging discipline. The guide summarizes more than 40 years of NELC experience with a comprehensive range of subjects related to discipline. It explains the key principles, contract language, national settlements, and arbitration decisions that comprise our own common law of just cause and job security. And it's signed by Fred Rolando. And so this is what they put out. This is what they put out. It's on page 101, and it's, this is what it's talking about. The American Postal Workers Union has agreed in a national-level settlement, NME 1137, and that's the one that I just read, that for employees in the APW bargaining units, the time limits of Article 15, Section 2, run from the proposed discipline notice, not from the decision letter. NELC was not party to that settlement and has a different bargaining history concerning this issue. CM 939. That's the one I read to you already. It is NELC's position that, for letter carriers, a grievance filed within 14 days of receipt of the decision letter is timely. And so this is how the NELC is training their stewards, is educating their people, is that for letter carriers, a grievance filed within 14 days of receipt of the decision letter is timely. The only problem is about 50-50 of the arbitrators agree with management. And the other half agree with us. So what happens if, I've got, again, I've got a letter carrier that has served this country and fought for this country and, and risked everything for this country, comes on with a postal service, gets removed for something completely ridiculous like this one we just had, and we go by this manual, we grieve the decision letter, and we find one of those arbitrators who doesn't agree with us. This man has now lost his job because of something that the NELC is telling us to do. I think that's incredibly careless. And I wish 
that next time they have one of these, it gets sent up as an interpretive issue. It gets sent to national arbitration and have a national arbitrator once and for all tell us how we are to grieve these things. That way, we can teach every steward in the country we will grieve the notice of proposed removal or we will grieve the decision letter. I think the position by the NLC is extremely careless and I hate it. Although arbitrators have ruled both for and against NEL's position on this issue, that right there tells you what we're doing is foolish. We acknowledge that. We acknowledge it right there. It says, although arbitrators have ruled both for and against NEL's position on this issue. This is something that can very easily be fixed. Take it to national arbitration. I don't get it. NELC believes regional arbitrator Britain ruled correctly in finding that the APW-USPS memo did not apply in an NELC case and that a grievance filed protesting a letter of decision was arbitrable. C-12-205, C-12-205, July 17, 1992. So I've got uh, three decisions. I'm going to read them to you, and, and these are critical for you. One is that Britain decision they just talked about. And then I've got a couple of others, and the dates are going to be critical for you, okay? Here's Arbitrator Britain. This is his decision. I'm going to start on page 8. It says, while it is line, and while such deadlines are included in labor contracts for important reasons, Arbitrators have generally taken the view that a minor breach of a filing deadline may be forgiven but is unable to demonstrate that it has been prejudiced in any way. This is particularly true in an instance such as the present matter, where the grievant, who did file his two grievances in a timely manner, stands to be denied his day in court purely as the result of procedural error, namely a two-day delay in filing of the Step 2 appeal which may well have resulted from the interposition of two weekends and a federal holiday. Indeed, even in the award and case number there, which the employer cites with approval, Arbitrator Levac states that the starting point in this case is the general principle that where there is any question regarding a procedural bar, all doubts will be resolved in favor of addressing the dispute on its merits. Remember that language where he says the starting point in this case is the general principle that where there is any question regarding a procedural bar, all doubts will be resolved in favor of addressing the dispute on its merits, which basically means when in doubt, rule for the accused. Uh, that is common amongst arbitrators. When in doubt, if you raise any doubts, those doubts must be ruled for the accused. Okay? And that's called indubio pro reo. If you've not dealt with that before, it's called indubio pro reo, okay? And what that simply means is, in doubt, rule for the accused. So if we can raise any doubts during this process of which one you grieve, if the arbitrator says, well, maybe you do grieve the proposed removal, then we put in these sites, ah, well, maybe you, know, maybe you do grieve the decision letter. Those are doubts being raised in the arbitrator's minds. And our position is, any doubts must be ruled in favor of the accused. That's indubio pro reo. That's what that's called. Uh, if you look up indubio pro reo, this is what it states. 
The phrase, doubts must go in favor of the accused, is a legal principle known as indubio pro reo. It's P-R-O-R-E-O, okay? And that's what it talks about. Doubts must go in favor of the accused. And that's where we're trying to get with this, okay? When we're, when we're arguing these things about grieving the notice of proposed removal or the decision letter, any doubts must be ruled in favor of the accused, okay? And he goes on to state on page 9. There's a final point that should be noted in this matter. The parties have seemingly established a procedure of issuing a notice of proposed removal following by meeting with the station head or postmaster during which the employee is afforded an opportunity to defend himself. Thereafter, the official makes a decision and issues a letter of decision. Concurrent with this process, the grievant is required to file a grievance, hold a step one meeting, presumably with a supervisor who issued the notice of proposed removal, and defend himself in that form. In the considered judgment of the arbitrator, this dual procedure has the potential of endangering an employee's right to a fair hearing by complicating the procedural process and create, creating opportunities for error. Indeed, the pitfalls that await both the employee and the union are no more apparent than in this instant case. Interestingly, in the award cited with approval by the employer from the case number there, arbitrator Alan Walt, in addressing the propriety of requiring an employee to file agreements at the notice of proposed removal stage, made the following observation. If this were a matter of first impression, the undersigned would agree with the union's arguments on the arbitrability question. A reading of the notice of charges, removal, veteran, clearly reveals that no decision has been reached at the time to discharge grievance from employment. The notice states that it is proposed to remove you from the Postal Service. The union is correct when it argues that grievance was not made to suffer until the employer finally reached its decision on September 3rd to discharge the grievance. And that will be our argument. We were not made to suffer on the proposed removal. It's just a proposal. It's no different than my boss walking by me and say, Hey, Corey, next Tuesday, I'm going to give you a 14-day suspension. Or I'm thinking about giving you a 14-day suspension. And then me filing the grievance on that and taking it to him. Hey, you said earlier that you're thinking about giving me a 14-day suspension. I'm going to grieve that. Well, hell, I ain't done anything yet. I know it, but you told me that you might do it. And so I'm going to go ahead and grieve it. That's how stupid this is. But there are arbitrators that will rule against us. You saw in the defenses to discipline, we acknowledge a lot of arbitrators rule against us on this. That's the reason we need to get some clarity. It goes on, this arbitrator finds himself in agreement with the sentiment expressed by arbitrator Walt. Were it not for the long period of time during which the parties have filed their procedure in question, and in light of the long line of arbitral decisions that have upheld the procedure that the parties not follow this, arbitrator would conclude that the proper time for filing agreements is not when a notice of proposed removal is issued, but within 14 days after the employee has made a final decision to remove an employee. And so that's Britain in this great, great language. My thing is still freezing up. I don't even know if, this is, if any of this is recording. And it really pisses me off because I've been talking now for 25 minutes. Okay, here's, uh, here's the two decisions that you're going to want, okay? Uh, the first one 
is C24356. C24356. And this is arbitrator Reeves. And this was dated May 14, 2003. Now remember that APW decision was 1994. And this is going to be critical for any advocate or formal rep or informal that is dealing with management saying that it's untimely based on that APW decision. That decision was in 1992. This decision from Arbitrator Reeves is 2003. So this is after that APW decision that management's going to try to produce against us. So this is after that, okay? And I'm going to read his, dis his uh, discussion and findings, okay? And, and you can get this decision and read all of it. And it'll give you management's argument, what they'll probably try to use against you. And they'll always be the same arguments once you, once you read them. But this is his discussion. The facts in this matter are not in dispute and can be largely stipulated. However, interpretation of the facts is in dispute, and it falls upon the arbitrator to perform the fact-finding role. Issues of timeliness and jurisdiction are considered by the preponderance of evidence and application of commonly accepted rules of interpretation applied by arbitrators and fact-finders. Timeliness. The timeliness issue is inextricably tied to the arbitrator's decision regarding which document is being grieved. Is it the notice of proposed removal issued on November 21, 2002? Or is it the letter of final decision received by the agreement on December 27, 2002? If the former is the mandatory grievable action, then clearly the union missed the deadline of 14 days for grievability. If, however, as the union argues, the grievable act is the letter of final decision, then the grievance filed on January 5, 2003 falls within the aforementioned deadline for grievability. The arbitrator must conclude that the union met the timeliness criterion for the following reasons. And he's got it bullet pointed. It's a very good decision. So I'd get it anyway. If I've never had to deal with it, I'd still read it because it's a damn good decision. The notice of proposed removal is not an action taken by management. It is a notification of a contemplated action in the future that may or may not occur. That's devastating to management's position, and it is exactly on point with what we argue. You've not done anything. It's not an action. It's, it's a proposal. It's a contemplated action, as he says. It is a proposal, not a fait accompli. One might ask what the remedy for the grievance is if no action has yet been implemented. In order to grieve, there must first be a loss. It is the final decision to discharge an employee that is grievable with the remedy of reinstatement, not the proposal charge. Besides, the proposed discharge could be changed to a suspension or some other lesser disciplinary penalty. The fact that the grievant elected not to respond to the notice of proposed removal is his right and not relevant. It may be that he was advised not to reveal his legal defense or evidence in a preliminary meeting and elected to do so in full evidentiary hearing that would be afforded in an arbitration hearing. And I'm going to touch on that because here in this installation, we tell them not to go meet with the installation head for the decision letter. The reason we do that is that we used to always go to them and management will use that as a second bite at the apple. 
They would use that as a second fact-finding mission against the letter carrier. We've not had any carrier ever brought back going to those meetings. Not one time has an arbitrator, uh, has a postmaster reduced that discipline. You heard that sorry-ass district manager from Alabama, Mississippi, reduced that, that station manager's removal to a letter of warning for threatening to shoot us. That has never happened in this installation. We have never had a carrier be brought back based off of going to that meeting. So we've just, we just told our people, quit going. Don't go. Because it's just a second fact-finding mission. And that's what he talks about here. He said the fact that the grievance elected not to respond to the notice of proposed removal is his right and not relevant. It may be that he was advised not to reveal his legal defense or evidence in a preliminary meeting and elected to do so in a full evidentiary hearing that would be afforded in an arbitration hearing. And that's exactly what we do here. Second bullet point, it is an accepted principle in arbitration that it was not the intent of negotiators in a collective bargaining agreement to violate federal law, and there can be no intended conflict between law and provisions of an agreement. In the instant matter, the agreement is a PV and entitled to veterans protections to grieve any dispute with a postmaster regarding working conditions, including a notice of proposed removal, because he is a postal employee Included within the bargaining unit, the grievant also is entitled by Articles 15 and 16 to grieve a letter of decision. Last bullet point. Nowhere in the agreement or in this legislative is a VP required to grieve either the proposed notice or the final decision. The inference is that the grievant has discretion to choose either action as a grievance appeal. That's beautiful. And that's exactly what I would ask a witness I'll read that again. Nowhere in the agreement or in legislation is a VP required to grieve either the notice of proposed removal or the final decision. The inference is that the grievant has discretion to choose either action as a grievance appeal. And that's exactly what JB said. There's nothing in any contract, manual, or handbook provision that states that we have to grieve their proposed removal. And that's what this arbitrator is stating. It goes, jurisdiction. The language in the JCAM is clear and unambiguous regarding a VP employee's right to file an appeal for removal and a suspension of more than 14 days to the MSPB, as well as grieve to arbitration simultaneously. However, the parties are in agreement that the primary objective is that as employees should receive a hearing on the merits of an adverse action. See the JCAM 1611. Thus, an employee should receive a hearing. But the VT, VP is not entitled to two hearings, one in arbitration and before MSPB. In the instant matter, the grievant did not receive a hearing on the merits before the MSPB, following its dismissal without prejudice. He is therefore able to pursue an arbitration hearing on the merits. Specifically, the parties agree that the union will be permitted to reactivate an employee's previously waived right to an arbitration hearing if that employee's appeal to the MSPB did not result in a decision on the merits of the adverse action or the employee withdraws the MSPB appeal prior to the decision on the merits being made. The Postal Service will not be required to defend its removal for alleged just cause in two separate forms and the employee will be given his opportunity to present evidence in his own defense. Arbitral precedence. 
Arbitrators previously have considered the issue of timeliness and jurisdiction for VEP employees, and the overwhelming number of awards support the decision to grant an arbitration hearing to the grievant in the instant matter. Deciding not to file agreements on the notice of proposed removal, one that is being considered, does not constitute a waiver in an employee's right to subsequently grieve the final decision for removal. Arbitrator Duda agreed that a proposal to take a future action cannot constitute a grievable action because there has been no harm and therefore no grievable action. He notes that the union fulfilled its contractual obligation when it filed a grievance on the notice of decision in a timely manner. Arbitrator Raymond Britton, the one I just read to you, stresses that a VP is entitled to a final decision letter and not when the notice of proposed removal is initially issued. Arbitrator Coffey held that a grievance filed five days following a final decision and 34 days after the proposed decision was still eligible for an arbitration hearing. Arbitrator McGowan considered a timeliness issue when management asserted that the grievance was untimely because it was filed within the 14-day time limit for the letter of decision, but 17 days following the notice of proposed removal. Arbitrator McGowan ruled that the arbitration was timely filed. So he gave you four great sites right there for y'all to get and take to your arbitration hearing, okay? There are a number of other arbitration decisions that support the claim that the decision to grieve a final notice rather than a letter of proposed removal is proper and reasonable to a prudent person using common sense. It is clearly the intent of the parties to the agreement that postal employees, especially those who are veterans eligible, should receive an arbitration hearing on the merits for any adverse action should they choose to grieve a timely manner. And he said that it was timely. So that is a spectacular decision by arbitrator Reeves. If you're having to deal with this issue, uh, and, and I would get that and I would read it and read it and read it and read it. And I read it and read it and read it before this hearing because I knew that manager was going to come in there and try to bifurcate this hearing. They want, they were going to try to get uh, a decision on the arbitrability and then get into their merits. So I had this thing memorized. And so uh, it's Arbitrator Reeves, 24356. Remember, it is after the APW decision from 1992, and that's a huge thing to tell the arbitrator. Look, these decisions are after the APW and management came into that uh, agreement in 1992. Okay? The second one is 20825-20825, and this is from Arbitrator Duda, D-U-D-A. And why this is important is Arbitrator Duda has been on the panel for some 30 years. He is well-respected amongst our other arbitrators. He has a lot of tenure on the arbitration panel. Remember that, Arbitrator Duda, Jr., has been on the panel for some 30 years. And so he has a lot of respect amongst other arbitrators. And that's what I would say if I'm an advocate. This is Arbitrator's decision from Arbitrator Duda. It's May of 2000. This is after the 1992 agreement between the APW and the Postal Service. And Mr. Arbitrator, this is from Arbitrator Duda Jr., who's been on the panel for some 30 years and is very well respected. And this is his decision. Starts on page 21. Evaluation, the timeliness arbitrability issue, and, the, and he gets into some very good stuff here. 
as far as when I talk about raising doubts, because that's what we're trying to do. And then we're going to hammer home that, that phrase that I told you, indubio pro reo, remember? We're going to hammer that home during our testimony if they try to bifurcate and also when we're closing in our bifurcation argument. Indubio pro reo, we're trying to raise a doubt. And he does a great job of it here. According to the Postal Service, the subject grievance is not arbitrable because grievant did not file it as allegedly required within 14 days after his receipt of Scarlett's letter on August 17th of 1999. The sole contractual basis for this position is Section 15.2, Step 1A, that cited language provides any employee who feels aggrieved must discuss the grievance within 14 days of the date on which the employee first learned of its cause. And remember, that was management's position in our case we were supposed to have last Friday. The language must be interpreted in the light of the provisions in Section 15.1, which precedes it. A grievance is defined as a dispute, difference, disagreement, or complaint between the parties related to wages, hours, and conditions of employment. A grievance shall include the complaint of an employee, which involves the interpretation, application of, or compliance with the provisions of this agreement. Scarlett's letter to grievant was a notification of the recommendation to the postmaster to remove grievant on charges of having violated specific sections of the M41M and ASM based on Scarlett's conclusions of fact about the instance in which grievant was involved on August 3rd. 1999. On receiving that letter, Grievant had several options as what he could do. One, Grievant could accept or ignore the invitation to answer the proposal in writing or in person to the postmaster who was to, to make the decision and or two, if the Grievant disputed, differed, disagreed, or had a complaint about or felt aggrieved by the contents in Scarlett's letter in relation to interpreting, applying, or complying with the labor agreement, including the cited handbook items, Grievant had a right, recognized by Scarlett, to file a grievance in Step 1 within 14 days of the receipt of that letter. Grievant exercised his right to communicate with the postmaster within 10 days in an attempt to persuade the postmaster not to follow or implement Scarlett's recommendations. Grievant did not file a grievance about the notice of proposed removal. That failure would constitute a waiver of grievance about the contents of Scarlett's letter. On September 14th of 1999, the postmaster issued a letter announcing his review and conclusions about the evidence, including grievance communications with the postmaster. The latter announced grievance was to be removed on September 18th, 1999, four days later. On the date of removal, grievance protested his removal with his supervisor in step one of the grievance procedure, claiming the letter of removal violated Articles 15 and 16 of the National Agreement. The parties in joint step A stated the dispute as follows. Did management violate Article 15 and 16 of the National Agreement in its letter of removal of James Herbert? No mention is made in the joint step A or joint step B process of this grievance about Scarlett's letter of proposed removal. The subject grievance is only about the postmaster's action. The grievance filed September 18, 1999 would be barred from adjudication based on the timeliness provision only if it were the same grievance as weighed by failure to grieve the notice of proposed removal. We find the September 28, 1990 grievance is not the grievance 
he have filed but did not protest in the notice of proposed removal. The union's brief exerted about above points out additional reasons for distinguishing between the two situations. We would also point out that the grievant could not waive his grievance about the notice of removal before the removal was even issued. Under the clear wording in section 15, 1, 2, and 3, there is no merit to the Postal Service's claim that an employee is denied the right to grieve a notice of removal if he had not grieved timely a prior notice of proposed removal. Accordingly, we find the subject grievance filed on September 18, 1999 in protest of his removal on that day was a proper complaint, timely made, and therefore subject to adjudication under the grievance and arbitration procedures of the labor agreement. We think it appropriate to make some general comments. Six arbitration decisions were submitted by the service to support its untimeliness defense. Some of these decisions have no real discussion. For example, the discussion and opinion given by one arbitrator in 1999 for finding a case untimely consisted solely of the following. The arbitrator issued a bench decision on the issues of arbitrability. There is a long line of arbitration cases from 1976 which holds that any grievant who receives a proposed removal must file a grievance on that notice, and any subsequent filing on the letter of decision is untimely. Nothing in the contract language justifies blindly accepting that conclusion. The fact that some arbitrators each handling a case with different facts decided their cases were untimely does not persuade me. I must find this case to be untimely. I think he, he, sent, he wrote that wrong. The language controls. In fairness, I acknowledge that other arbitrators finding untimeliness had more extensive decisions, although they did not consider the points I made above, which incidentally are not unique to me. And that's what I'm talking about. Management's going to hand in a plethora of decisions showing that it's untimely. Why would we expose anybody to that? Why would we not take these to national arbitration and get a final and binding decision on this issue? One way or the other. If we lose it, who cares? Now we're able to educate our people on this is how we will grieve proposed removals or decision letters. I don't get it. Why? It's like playing Russian roulette. Just hopefully we'll get a good arbitrator. Damn, we got one that don't believe in us, so... Looks like he's fired. That is asinine to me. It's completely irresponsible. We need to take these things to national arbitration and get a decision one way or the other. In fairness, I acknowledge that other arbitrators finding untimeliness had more extensive decisions, although they did not consider the points I made above, which incidentally are not unique to me. Certainly the Postal Service, now listen to me, this is what I'm talking about in Dubio Proreo. Doubts must go in favor of the accused. Certainly the Postal Service has not been consistent in it or explanation on this subject. <clears throat> More than 27 years ago, under essentially the same language, the Postal Service insisted that grievance about a notice of proposed removal could not be filed before a letter of decision. Then on September 26, 1974, the Postal Service sent the NELC a letter about uh, the case there, management letter said, we are sustaining this grievance to the extent that management is being advised that in future situations, such as the one with which the grievance is concerned, a grievance may be filed upon receipt of the proposed notice. 
Not long after that change, some units of the Postal Service adapted the position requiring a grievance on the notice of proposed removal. Sometimes the service unit argued that a grievance on a notice of proposed removal must be filed, but no grievance may be filed on the removal thereafter. There have been situations, as in the subject grievance, where an employee attempted unsuccessfully to dissuade management from approving a recommendation to remove without grieving. After 14 days, the employee grieved the removal and supervision asserted untimeliness. There were decisions to the effect as early as 1974, only a month after the fourth step four decision mentioned above, that same fact situation or result occurred in several other arbitration decisions which were cited by the Postal Service and regional arbitration. No national arbitration on this issue is shown to this arbitrator even alleged to have occurred. Some arbitrators who considered essentially the same situation argued that they disagreed but felt that because decisions cited had been issued more than 20 years earlier, they were binding. This regional arbitrator must respectfully disagree. The regional arbitration is not binding, and if incorrect decisions are cited, they need not be followed. We find that Grievant had the right to agree the decision to remove, although he had not agreed the notice of proposed removal. The subject grievance is timely and arbitrable. I know I beat that up, but... So there's two very good decisions post the APW decision with management, okay? And that's what we'll argue until we get our head out of our ass on this situation and take it to national arbitration once and for all. We can't lose. We can't lose because an arbitrator is going to tell us one way or the other, and however he tells us is exactly how we're going to educate our people. Not this, hey, this is how we feel. Good luck to you in arbitration. That is a reckless and dangerous position to have, and that's our position. But there's uh, decisions for you if you're having to deal with grieving the letter of decision and not the notice of proposed removal. Management, 100% of the time, is going to argue that it's untimely. And so there's a couple of tips to help you out. And this is based off of the case I was supposed to have last week, okay? So there you are. Grieving the letter of decision and when you fail to grieve the notice of proposed removal. If you get caught in that, hopefully this episode will help you. Okay? It's a quick episode, 48 minutes. That's quick for me, right? It's not two hours. <laughs> we'll get back into that next week. I have salted peanuts for you, okay? Like I said, this thing has been stopping the entire time. And so I'm hoping that this came out all right. But I'm so damn tired of this shit with this <laughs> old laptop I need to just get my new one and start with that one because this one is just it's bad. So uh, if it worked out, great. Hope it helped you out on grieving the notice of a letter of decision and not the notice of proposed removal. Y'all have a fantastic rest of the week. Next week, Salted Peanuts. We're going to get back into it, have a couple episodes on that. And then JB called me today. He's wanting to get on here and do the uh, sickly dependent care, which I need. Uh, get on Reddit. Great stuff going on there. Discord, again, those people are up there. If you wake up at 2 and go use the restroom and just like, let me look on Discord, they're on there talking. So they never sleep. Um, get on from aidarbitration.com. Uh, these sites will be on there for you. This language will be on there for you. And even if you don't have uh, a situation where you got the proposed removal or, or uh, letter of decision, uh, read them. 
and educate yourself. That way you can help somebody else who asks a question about it if they have this come up, okay? You don't need to refer them to me. You can just say, hey, this is what I know. And there's you some sites you can talk to them about, okay? I know that some of the NELC sites are forbidding you from talking about from aid arbitration on there. That's fine. Uh, I don't care about that. Uh, they're um, deleting posts that talk about from aid arbitration because um, they hate you being educated. And, and I don't understand it, but that's the way it is. <laughs> so I'm going to keep educating. I don't give two fucks about anybody else <laughs> if they like it or not, right? We're going to keep educating. Too many people sending me too many resolutions in your favor based off of stuff we talked about on this podcast. Too many things going on across this country where people are winning grievances, excited, uh, and going crazy based off of information that they received off of something that we've talked about on this podcast. That's what it's all about. It's kicking management in the ass, you know? And, and it's unfortunate that our union wants to stand in our way from doing that, but fuck them. Y'all have a great rest of the week. Enjoy your Monday episode of Formate Arbitration, and I'll talk to you Sunday, all right? God bless you. Bye.